Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty New Year greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 5th edition of the sunny side of sports. The Atlas Lions of Morocco were the big African football story of 2022. The Atlas Lions made history at the recent FIFA World Cup in Qatar where they became the first African team to reach the semifinals. And some of Morocco's top players also saw a big jump in social media followers after the team's historic run to the World Cup's Final Four. So says Mario Leo, the CEO of Result Sports. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, Mario also said it was a unique and wonderful World Cup. This World Cup was, was really special. Um, Qatar, first time in the winter. So there have been a lot of um, a lot of discussions about it in Europe, but also obviously around the world. Um, a small nation hosting the World Cup in new facilities, but um, overall my summary is that um, the World Cup has been tremendous. Um, the match of or the game of football um, has severely developed. Um, there is no small team or big team. Um, many many games were highly competitive, very very close. Um, and as predicted in my pre-World Cup analysis, um, Senegal and Morocco uh, would play a major role in their group at the group stage and uh, that the other teams had chances. Um, so obviously for me, uh, Morocco exceeded uh, the expectation, not by far, because I knew that Morocco has a very strong team. Morocco has invested into facilities. Um, and that's that's a fantastic achievement, uh, reaching the top four. So, um, yeah, the rating for me is uh, very, very positive uh, from that perspective on Africa. Um, and overall, the World Cup for me has shown that it's not three group stage matches and four uh, knockout stage rounds. It's seven finals to reach the glory of becoming a world champion. Um, and Argentina did that very well. Uh, being defeated by Saudi Arabia in the first match um, of the group stage and then yeah, had a fantastic uh, run to the series. Um, all the other African, uh, all the five African participants have been very strong from my perspective. They all had a chance to continue um, to the next round until their last match of the group stage um, and that shows how close they have become uh, across all the football nations, um, how competitive it is. Among the five African teams that participated at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, Morocco made it to the top four, the first by an African team in the history of the World Cup. What has been the response or reaction of social media followers of Morocco? Well, Mike, um, this has not only been the social media followers of Morocco, um, because this has been a, a global transparent 
World Cup, where the access to the internet, the access to social media platforms um, goes until the far, far end corner of the globe. Um, the team of Morocco was, was highly, highly regarded and respected. Um, their defense was, was a rock. And just to give you an example, Ashraf uh, Hakimi, the right back of, of Morocco, started the World Cup with seven and a half million followers on his social media profiles and ended the World Cup with 13 million followers. So he almost doubled his personal tally on social media and so did Morocco. Um, the response from the Moroccan fans who love their, their national team um, is, has been astonishing. I mean, there was 99.9% of pride. Um, there was no harsh uh, comment or anything. It's been a fantastic tournament. Um, on the pitch from a sporting perspective from Morocco, but also very, very well done on social media. Um, the social media team and the communications team of the Moroccan Football Federation has done a tremendous job gabbing the bridge yeah, from Morocco to uh, Doha, to Qatar, to the host nation, um, transported the feelings and the emotions of the national team back to its fans. Um, it's been a very, very good experience to see and uh, yeah, well done and congratulations again Morocco to enter the top four um, of world football as the first African nation um, in the history of a World Cup. Mario, did you observe any outstanding African players at the World Cup? And do you think big European teams will sign such players in the January transfer window? Obviously, the first thing comes to mind is is yeah, the, the Moroccan national football team yeah, with Hakim Ziyech, um, Atrif Hakimi, Bono, the goalkeeper, tremendous job, Amrabat, um, the defensive midfielder, fantastic job. But the question is like, do European teams or big teams will sign such players? I mean, we shouldn't forget, I mean, many of the African um, players um, are already playing at fantastic uh, teams in Europe. I mean, we discussed uh, the transfer of Sadio Mane from Liverpool to FC Bayern. Um, Ashraf Hakimi um, already had his journey starting at uh, Borussia Dortmund, um, then obviously going to AC Milan. And now we have the past uh, one and a half season plays for PSG. Yeah, which is a top 10 team around the world in terms of football for performance. Hakim Ziyech, um, Chelsea, first Ajax, now Chelsea, uh, AC Milan as a loan agreement. I think some of the players obviously presented themselves as being a, a good, good, good addition um, to to a, a team in, in Europe. And I think this transfer window will bring some surprise moves because obviously that's the first time that the World Cup was hosted in winter from a European perspective where the top five leagues are being played. Um, I'm a big fan of of diverting or changing the, the environment to have a winter World Cup um, because obviously we have a northern hemisphere and a southern hemisphere um, and the southern hemisphere should have their World Cup when it's on win when it's winter in Germany and their summer. So um, and Qatar as a host nation did did fantastic from the infrastructure, uh, from the venues, um, from the transportation. Um, there's been no no challenging situation being being shown. So um, yeah, it's been been outstanding. African football has represented itself as as really 
outstanding as well um, and and been been very close and um, Sadio Mane uh, was highly missing um, at the World Cup but players um, of, of Team Senegal uh, like Koulibaly and so playing for Chelsea they already made a very big impact and were very impressive so I think African football should be very proud about their achievement, not only at the World Cup, but as a development over the last five years, yeah, where players moved from mid-size European teams to big-size European team, and that affects African football. And when you see that an outstanding player like Mohamed Salah uh, with with Egypt is not represented at the World Cup, it shows how competitive the African football has become. Um, to qualify for a World Cup and uh, I remember the pictures very well when they lost on penalty shootout versus Senegal, the reigning African champion. So yeah, continue to develop African football, continue to thrive and glory will come. That's Mario Leo, the CEO of Result Sports. And Mario spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Germany. My name is Mario Leo. I'm the founder and chief executive of Result Sports. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Mario. And thank you, Iron Mike Mbonye, for that interview and all your sporty contributions during 2022. Hi, this is Rick Pantaleo. Join host Carol Castiel and me when we talk with Mark Bryan of the Future Today Institute about the future trends in technology and its implications for business, society, and politics for 2023 and beyond. Be sure to listen to Press Conference USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Rick, and I hope 2023 is off to a good start for you. The FIFA World Cup in Qatar was the biggest sporting event of 2022, and that thrilling World Cup final between Argentina and France, won by Argentina on penalty kicks, was simply the best World Cup final I've ever seen. VOA's Kali Abdu was in Qatar for the month-long competition. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, VOA's Muckbill Yabaro asks Kali for his thoughts on the final. The uh, finals were absolutely electrifying. The whole city was uh, lit up. You know, everyone was heading, was rushing by 4 p.m. here. It, there was gridlock everywhere. In the final itself, you know, the game, as you as you know, was an absolute classic, and it was worth all the uh, hysteria and uh, all the energy that surrounded the city before the game. On that point, you know. Uh, how do you think Qatar felt uh, not only hosting the World Cup, but having the two biggest stars from PSG, a team that the Imar of Qatar, Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, he owns that team, right? So to have mm-hmm. two of the biggest stars of the world that play for your team, you know, mm-hmm. in the World Cup hosted by your country, my God, bro! Like who who wrote this storyline, huh? Yeah, the, the 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 scripts, you know, was was uh, 
was raining the stars, you know, as they say. It couldn't have rained a better script, honestly. It, it all lined up perfectly for them at the end, you know. Um, as you said, these are his two biggest stars in the team that he owns. And both of them, it was just only right that both of them took center stage. And, you know, Mbappe, just, you know, absolutely incredible. Uh, Messi as well. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, when they, they were handing the, 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 I guess, the trophy to Messi, yeah. when the Emir put that cloak, you know, he put that traditional cloak on Messi or Ghana, yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah. It was, uh, it, I guess that signified what you're talking about, you know. Right, like right. Counting moment almost. <laughs> Man, that 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 moment was was honestly so amazing. Um, not only for you know uh, Qatar, but you know even for the entire Middle East, really, right? To see arguably one of the greatest players of all time win a um, win the Golden Ball and then also win the the World Cup, and then I believe they call it a bisht. They put that mm. on top of him, and now it's like it's a part of you know their culture seeing that you know with the greatest player arguably the greatest player ever it must have been unbelievable yeah, yeah. no it was you know it was it was unbelievable i mean uh, i will tell you i have never seen fans just messi has a lot of fans here i have never seen that before in my life and i've been following and playing football all my life i've never really seen you know, just people worship a player the way I, I've seen uh, uh, Messi fans here. And, and they're people of all races. They're not just Argent- from Argentina. It's people from all over the world that were just screaming Messi on the, the way to the stadium, on the way uh, to, to to watch the game at the giant LED screen and, and Corniche uh, uh, promenade. And you just could tell that everybody was rooting for Messi. You know, Kylian Mbappe is very young, and honestly, he is on his way to being one of the, the, the greats, you know, considering how well he's doing. Mm-hmm. But yesterday was all about Messi. You know, it was just messy, messy, messy everywhere. And uh, at the end of the day, the guy delivered, and I think that he, you know, the trophy was well-deserved, honestly. No, absolutely. I, I, I would definitely agree as well, Um, um if you were to say before the game or the match had started, who did you think was going to win this game, Argentina or France? Yeah, it was it's, it was a strange one because uh, I had a 50-50, to be honest. I couldn't mm-hmm. lean one way or the other either way because there were certain factors. For me, you have Argentina who lost their first game but then just kept growing throughout the tournament. You could tell that they, you know, they just grew as a team. They had this nasty streak. They were biting challenges and they were fighting with referees and fighting opposing teams. You could tell these guys really want this. Right. So they, and they, it kept growing throughout the tournament. Whereas France, you know, they came in as champions and, you know, they had these games where they, they won and then they lost to Tunisia. And it was just kind of shaky. They had a lot of uh, illnesses in the players falling ill in in their camp. So they had like a lot of ups and downs throughout the tournament. So you could say, well, France is like one of the teams to beat at the tournament, but because they had all these ups and downs, some games, you know, they really struggled. So you could say, well, 
it could go 50-50 either way. And because you have Messi on one side and Mbappe on the other side, who both, yeah. you know, did amazing in the game. And as you know, with Kylian Mbappe's performance, any player who puts in that type of performance deserves to win in the final. But at the end, you see how that turned out. So it was, for me, it was such a close game, such a close game. It was Argentina won by 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 just a very very close margin. I wouldn't I wouldn't you know say that they blew uh, France out the park by any stretch. So you know my call was 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 fifty fifty at the beginning and at the end of the day the game actually ended in a draw and had to be decided on penalties. So I guess my call was correct. <laughs> I, I would definitely agree with you. I think to me, this felt almost like a passing of the baton from one great to another great, uh, both having stellar performances. Uh, Messi scoring two goals, assisting on one, Mbappe scoring three goals um, with the hat trick. But um, if we would have to go and uh, if we can touch on that third place game, you know, not as exciting yeah. in terms of the glitz and the glamour, right, of having the entire world tune in to see the crowning of the World Cup um, champion. But it's still a great game. Two very strong teams in Croatia and Morocco, the Cinderella story of the tournament. Uh, talk to me about uh, that game. Yeah, so that game, it was also uh, highly anticipated here in, in uh, Doha. As you know, Morocco have been the darlings of this tournament. They really won everybody's hearts, and everybody was was rooting for them to at least come third place uh, after they fell to France in the semifinal. But you know, as the game went, you know, and you could just tell Croatia's class. You know, you you saw a team that well, you know, they've been there and thereabouts in in, in at the Euros and. I guess the last World Cup, but they are a team that has a lot of experienced players and that showed against Morocco. Obviously, Morocco, uh, before the Fran- France game in the semifinal, they hadn't even conceded a goal <laughs> except their yeah. own players scoring an own goal. So they, they were quite tight in the back. So for them to even concede those goals against Croatia just showed you uh, that you know what, Croatia are not to be slept on. They have quite a lot of class. Even though, to Morocco's credit, you know they had, uh, to be fair on them, they they, they had uh, some injuries. I believe they didn't have the the, the main players they, they they usually use in the back. So right. their defense was a little weaker. But all the same, they still they still put in an energetic performance and they had chances. They're uh, Loved here in Qatar, even still, even though they lost, they have a lot of respect. And I think that they've won themselves quite a number of times. Absolutely. No, I definitely agree. I think uh, people have said that, you know, Morocco definitely has won the hearts of millions, you know, uh, across the board. Uh, as we know, football brings people together. And they've also shown um, what an African team can do truly if, you know, they really lock in. Uh, semifinals is the furthest that an African team has reached so far in the World Cup. And who's to say, uh, moving forward, if the top caliber players, you know, um, decide that they want to play for their, you know, African sides, a lot of them have the option to do so. Maybe this team gives a lot of these African players uh the hope or maybe the want to play for an African side. Imagine if we were to see somebody like Mbappe, who is of Cameroonian and Algerian descent, to play for one of those sides. 
what could that do to the dynamic of the game uh, on the African continent? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's uh, no doubt in my mind that Rocco has inspired other African teams to just, you know, to just look up a bit more and just strive uh, for greatness. There's no reason why African teams uh, shouldn't get to a semifinal, to a final, and to even win the tournament, you know. We just need to uh, see more belief in the teams, see more belief in the players. Because at the end of the day, you know, majority of the players who play in these African teams all play overseas, play in Europe, and they're used to seeing the, the Messi's and the Ronaldo's and all these big names. They're used to seeing them week in and week out. So it's not like uh, they're coming to these tournaments and there's fear factor, you know. So I just think that, you know, even from the coaching systems and just the... the the, uh, the tactics, I think that there's room for improvement, but you can only look at Morocco and what they achieved as a source of inspiration. To your other point, I think that, you know, what you said about Mbappe, it's, it's so interesting. I remember thinking uh, to myself, wow, you know, there's so many players who play on the French team who are from Africa, you know, or, they, they, you know, their parents are from Africa, for example. Um you know, I, I know for sure that Mbappe uh, would have been would have made the, the difference had he played for Cameroon, for example. Because you know, Cameroon at the end they really impressed me. At first, I, I didn't give them all that credit, but as the tournament went on, you know, and they, they came back from three goals down to, to tie the game three three against uh, Serbia. And uh, then going on to beat Brazil, they really won. They won me over, and I had a lot more respect for uh, for Rigo Batson. Uh, I could only imagine, you know, he had a Google Vincent Aguba car and Chupamotsen, but I could only imagine what he would have done if he had Mbappe on the left wing. <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? my God, Mbappe and Aguba <laughs> and Chupamotsen. Uh, what yeah. a what a front, yeah. man. That's yeah. unbelievable. It would have made quite a difference for them. But at the end of the day, you know, um, Mbappe is playing for France. Right. And, you know, you, you can only use what you have. I know there's players like, uh, you know, there's players like, uh, I believe, uh, Williams, who played for Spain. You know, right. he's of Ghanaian descent. And he could have played for Ghana. They actually went after him, but he chose ultimately to play for Spain and his brother plays for, for Ghana. Ghana. Right. So, you know, it, it goes it, it goes either way. You know, uh, Bukayako Saka uh, has Nigerian origins and the Nigerian FA tried to get him, but he ultimately chose to play for England. You have players like uh, Callum hudson Odoi, who plays, uh, who was playing for Chelsea at the time when uh, Ghana approached him and he ultimately decided to stay with the England setup. You know, this is just the way international football is, and it will continue to be that way as as the world continues to be more blended and, you know, people are born in different countries. So right. I think that uh, what Morocco has done may inspire other great players to look uh, towards Africa, you know, say, I'm going to play for Africa. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, we may see some players opting for, for African teams, uh, ultimately, at the end of the day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I definitely would agree. And uh, like we said, it's only getting more and more exciting um, as as it continues, as we do know that the, uh, you know, the the next World Cup will be held in North America. Um, Everybody's excited for that. Uh, But we can go on forever. Golly, this has been amazing. Thank you for thank you for being on the show. Uh, Kali Abdu from Doha, Qatar. Um, Thanks for being on the show, brother. Thanks for having me. VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Pro basketball. Wednesday was a busy day in the NBA with 12 games. Two of the winners were the Milwaukee Bucks and the New Orleans Pelicans. Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo coming off a career-high 55-point performance turned in another excellent all-around game for the Bucks. Joining us now with more details is the AP's Dave Ferry. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a triple-double and Grayson Allen nailed a tying three-pointer with 10.8 seconds left in overtime as the Bucks down the Raptors 104-101. Antetokounmpo provided 30 points, 10 assists, and a season-high 21 rebounds one night after scoring a career-high 55 points against the Wizards. The Bucks blew a 21-point lead in the final 350 of the fourth quarter before getting the win. Allen chipped in 16 points. Fred Van Vliet had 28 points and 12 assists for Toronto. A loss is a loss. Wish we could have came out with a W there that would have made up for a lot of how ugly it was but um, you know take an ugly win I'm not so sure there's a such thing as an ugly loss C.J. McCollum dropped in 28 points, and the Pelicans led by as many as 31 in a 119-108 win over the Rockets. Jonas Valanciunas had 16 points and 17 rebounds for New Orleans, which was playing for the first time since learning Zion Williamson will miss about three weeks with a strained right hamstring. That's a chance for somebody else to step up and, and, you know, lock in even more, uh, bring more juice, be more aggressive. So, uh I'm really proud of our group. You know, we did it. The Pelicans led by 23 in the first quarter and were up 63-32 after one of Jose Alvarado's three three three-pointers. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave. Now let's go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the Philadelphia 76ers edged the Indiana Pacers in another NBA game that went into overtime. 
The AP's Michael Luongo reports from Philadelphia. The 76ers tied the game late in regulation that won it in the overtime for a 129-126 victory over the Pacers. Down by four, Philadelphia tied the game on baskets by Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. They took the lead in the extra session on a late-point basket by DeAnthony Melton. James Harden had a game-high 26 for the Sixers. We've done a really good job of pushing through it, you know what I mean? And to some point, like, all of us has been out, you know what I mean? So we find a way to just keep getting better, keep pushing, keep pushing. But he healed the Pacers with 24. Michael Luongo, Philadelphia. Thanks, Michael. We heard Philadelphia star James Harden talk about pushing through it, and all of us have been out. He was referring to injuries on the team. Cameroonian star Joel Embiid was out Wednesday night. Embiid had been playing with a sore lower back, and he sat out the game against Indiana with a sore left foot. The nine other winners on Wednesday night in the NBA were Memphis, Cleveland, Orlando, New York, Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, Atlanta, and the Los Angeles Lakers. This is Colonel Sam Amedu, retired. President FIBA Africa Zone 3. You are once more listening to Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. Thank you very much and have a good day. And that wraps up the January 5th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. Sports.